0: Hi, welcome back to Therapy Chat. Today is a wonderful day. I'm really excited that I'm going to bring you an interview with somebody who I've wanted to interview for a long time and we've talked about making it happen and never did, even though she had me on her podcast. So Today, my guest is Tamara Powell. Tamara, hey. thank you.
1: Thank you so much for being on Therapy Chat today. I'm so excited. You're such a joy. It's always an honor to hang out with you.
0: Thank you. I feel the same way. And just when you said, hey, I was like, oh, sounds soothing. <laughs> <surprising.">
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so
0: let's dive right in. Will you tell our audience more about you, who you are, and what you do?
1: Sure. I'm a licensed mental health counselor. I'm currently in a private practice in Pensacola, Florida, but I also do coaching across the globe online. And my specialties are really in existential anxiety, spirituality, hence today's topic, and also sexuality. So a lot of things that are outside the box. Those are my faves.
0: Yeah, yeah. And that's how... I really, I mean, I kind of knew who you were, but when you were on Lourdes Viato's mm-hmm. podcast, Women in Depth, talking about spiritual abuse. Yes. I like, I got to talk to Tamara.
1: <laughs> it's, it sounds funny to say that's my favorite. <laughs> yeah,
0: I know. I know. It's like these topics are not necessarily light,
1: uh-huh. but when
0: you are passionate about something, you can't help but get excited when you have the opportunity to talk about it.
1: Exactly. So that's I'm how I
0: am. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm really glad you're here. So tell our guests a little bit before we really go deeper about your podcast.
1: So my podcast Sacred Psychology is all about those topics, the intersection of neuroscience with a spiritual focus. So my practices. A lot of spiritual worldviews. It's kind of my lens on the planet that I can't look at a client's presenting concerns without wondering how they view themselves on a transcendent level. So that podcast dives into all sorts of different spiritual lenses on psychology.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Mm -hmm. How they view themselves on a transcendent Mm -hmm. level.
1: Right? (laughs) That's good stuff
0: yeah yeah, I love what you're doing. Thank you again for so much for coming on to therapy chat. So um I want to give our listeners kind of a little frame for our discussion, because in a previous episode, I talked with David Trelevin about his book, uh, Trauma Sensitive Mindfulness," and we were talking about how people who go to meditation and yoga retreats sometimes, you know, they've been doing it for years. And then out of the blue, they'll have like this super black hole kind of open up and they just fall into it and they don't know what's happening. And it's really Mm. a reaction to maybe some unresolved trauma that they just didn't even know was there. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about how, first of all, how important it is for those mindful spaces to be trauma sensitive so that the people who are there to hold space can help help participants when that situation arises to understand what's happening and get support that they need, but also how, you know, meditation is amazing and mindfulness is wonderful, and yet if someone has an unresolved trauma history or even a trauma history that they're aware of that, you know, they think is resolved, meditation and mindfulness can sometimes come very easily, but sometimes it blends into something else,
1: you know? Absolutely. And really what we're talking about is not just mindfulness. We see this even in college students where the first time that they're away from home and things are really settling in and they feel authentic. Anytime that the mind-body connection gets really comfortable, that's just prime space (laughs) for any of our internal demons to come out. And so that's where we start to see crises
0: Yeah, so say a little bit more about that in terms of college students. I think that's a really important
1: Mm -hmm. point you just brought up. Yeah, it's finally the... You know, the first time no one else is in control over their life, they have this burgeoning sense of autonomy and freedom. And suddenly, you juxtapose that against this increasing anxiety with, "Well, shit! Now I am, now I am really the only one that has to be responsible for all of these things." And so, there's great research on why that's the prime time where, if we're going to have some sort of mental distress and dysfunction happen, that's a really population to occur. Does that make sense?
0: Totally. Totally. Yeah. So that makes really good sense. And, you know, of course, everything's so new and there's all these new stresses and pressures. And for the first time, maybe that young person doesn't have mom and dad telling them who they are, how to be, what to do, where to be, you know, all those things. And they are saying, what do I like? What do I want? Who am I?
1: Yes, absolutely, and that's what we see mirrored then later on with things like spiritual abuse. It's the exact same process. It is like being an adolescent all over again. Suddenly, we have this experience that cracks us open, and we don't know who we are or what we want or what we should do, quote-unquote. So I'm mm-hmm. not at all surprised to hear that, in whether it's in my practice or you know with that gentleman's new book, that clients who... Are often in a meditative space, whether at home or in an ashram or on retreat, are having these similar experiences where, oh shit, <laughs> um, I have a bit of a freak out or a bit of um, a trauma come back to life or um, even just an uncomfortable moment or even a moment of dissociation. And it is very important that we don't just rush past it and assume that it's simply a spiritual experience alone.
0: Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So you know what what he and I were talking about is that people who are good at dissociating or who just compartmentalize everything in their lives are pretty good at meditation. You know, they're like, no, it's easy. You know, mm-hmm. I just yeah, I just watch those thoughts go by and I just let them go. Don't attach right. to them. And you know, it seems like you're doing exactly what the teaching is to do. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, there's if you have this unresolved trauma, there's like this other stuff going on behind the scenes that you're not even aware of.
1: Absolutely, which is why my framework is always to find the unique optimization with in each psyche, so to speak, within each being in front of me. Some of us are natural feelers and may be more intuitive and don't have as much problems with meditating as, as opposed to somebody who is more like type A driven, over analytic, <laughs> may struggle to sit and slow their mind down. So to me, their unique optimization with adding spiritual practices into their daily experience is going to look very different. We want a healthy locus of control, regardless of which end of the spectrum they find themselves on.
0: Yeah, exactly. We can't just use the same techniques with every client. Obviously, you can't Mm -hmm. paint everyone with the same brush, and you have to really understand what works for each person and authentically and not just like, well, try this. Oh, it's not working. Try harder, you know?
1: Exactly, so with people who are prone to disassociation um, when we 're talking about meditation we 're just going to have a different eye on them than we will with somebody who has, for example, ADHD and struggles to get into meditation
0: <laughs> exactly, exactly, so you know you mentioned locus of control, and that uh-huh. brings me to the the topic that we really wanted to talk about. I mean it fits in with sort of uh-huh. some of the thoughts i 've been having about this concept of spiritual bypass. And we, you know, I touched on it a little bit in that interview with David Trelevin, but what what do you think spiritual bypass is? How do you define that?
1: Yeah. So I really look at it in the way that you would as if you were driving. If you want to take a bypass road around some way, it's a shortcut. And so it was a term that we first saw pop up in the literature in the early 1980s. (laughs) I was still a munchkin, but (laughs) people were paving the way with with some really good stuff um, by John Wellwood. He's a Buddhist teacher and psychotherapist. And he first used this term, just like I said, just like a quick shortcut. It's a shortcut or a tendency to use spirituality or spiritual ideas and practices to sidestep or to avoid facing unresolved emotional issues or psychological wounds or even unfinished developmental tasks if we're taking a developmental psychological view here. And so it's, I look at it as I see clients who, you know, I could tell them, hey, we probably need 6 to 12 intense sessions of doing this work in therapy. Or you could pay some coach, you know, $5,000 to take you on retreat and give you some ayahuasca and, you know, tell you to chant outside naked. And I tell you what, a lot of times people would prefer that second option. They're looking for the quick fix. It feels good. Spirituality feels great we have these peak experiences and I'm not knocking any of it because I'm the first type to sign up for all that I've got the crystals the healing background <laughs> I'm, I'm into all of it but you can't have one without the other so a spiritual bypass is I'd rather sit and chant or in meditation or attend a retreat than to actually do that shadow work or the deep psychological digging it's a bypass it's a shortcut
0: yeah. Oh my gosh. You just like, oh, mm. let me up with what you just yeah. said. Because, you know, the ayahuasca retreat with the shaman, Yeah. you know, it's like, well, let me just get right down to it, down to the nitty gritty, you know, the real stuff. Like, right. let me just go out there and get into that primal stuff. And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, but... Right. <laughs> right. I mean, I'm not against it at all. I mean, I'm, I don't know how I feel about ayahuasca. I don't yeah. have enough information to have an opinion about that. But fair enough, yeah. Yeah. But uh um but I do think that it's it seems like, well, why sit in a therapist's office? That's like, you know, that's so like I don't know, what would you say like Mundane, nitty
1: gritty, yeah. yes. Three D dimension. 3D, yeah. Stay here on this planet. It's so old school, right?
0: Right. Western mentality. It's not really mm-hmm. the you know where the real, real depth is, but you know these two things can be combined too.
1: Yeah. It. Oh, and it is every day in my practice. Exactly. I love the. One of my favorite authors, who's also another psychologist, well, authors of articles, I think he has books too, but I've only read his articles. He calls spiritual bypassing avoidance in holy drag.
0: (laughs) I just love that. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Did everybody hear that? Avoidance in In holy holy drag. drag.
1: Yes. Shout out to Robert Augustus Masters for that one. (laughs) I love it. Yes. Because yeah, avoidance.
0: therapists. We've all had that moment. You wake up in the middle of the night. Oh my gosh, did I do my notes? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore when you use therapy notes. Therapy notes makes it easy to write your notes, get them done quickly, but thoroughly. My group practice has used therapy notes for six years and everyone always finds it easy to use. But the best thing is if you do need help, you can call their customer service number and a person answers the phone. And anytime I've ever had to use it, which is maybe three times in the past six years, my issue has been resolved easily with a cheerful demeanor in 15 minutes or less. So I highly recommend Therapy Notes. And don't forget go to therapynotes.com and use promo code chat to get two free months. For one thing, avoidance isn't just like, yeah, I'm just going to avoid thinking about that. It's just something you do without knowing it.
1: Yeah, it's the shadow side. So most people, in my experience, aren't—they're not doing it on purpose, right? It's like you said, like we're not knocking meditation. It's important, but what they don't realize is that because it feels good, we we start slowly moving in that direction and not wanting to pay attention. So I think of like, for example, people who struggle with codependency. Maybe you've got a nurturing. A nurturer in your office and she just wants to be of service to everyone around her and her family takes advantage of her and she just does not understand why she ends up so angry and resentful all the time and you're sitting in the room with her going but girly <laughs> we just worked on some assertiveness and maybe we worked on perhaps there was trauma in your background maybe she grew up overly parentified etc mm-hmm. but she comes into your office and she's like I tell you what, I got my obsidian yoni egg and I am taking this, you know, women's empowerment retreat and somebody did a past life regression with me and I'm but and once again I just feel like I have to always say this. I love all of those things. No, me too. I was like, wait, did you ever hear me and my friends talking? Yeah. Yeah, no. But not without Not without also working on, maybe I need to build some assertiveness and learn to be comfortable with boundaries, you know?
0: Right. And figure out, in in my practice, you know, I usually work longer term with people. It's like, why is it so hard for me to set boundaries? Where does that come from? You know, just like you were saying, what was going on in your family? Did you have to be the one who was in charge and taking care of everyone ever since you can remember? Then, of course, this is what you do.
1: Right.
0: But that doesn't mean it's healthy.
1: Exactly. So let me give some more symptoms, perhaps, of spiritual bypassing, like how people listening may know that they might be <laughs> guilty of some. And I actually took this uh, list from Robert Masters as well. So here's some of his. Exaggerated detachment. So like that dissociation. Or I find this with... um. Well, stereotypically, I just think of like the Zen Buddhist monks, you know, but they're not actually real monks. We're talking about, you know, the CEO down the street who (laughs) claims that he's just not attached to anything. He suddenly doesn't need anything or anyone. That's not going to be the vast majority of the population. So exaggerated attachment, emotional numbing and repression key, or what? Most people think of when they think of spiritual bypassing that overemphasis on the positive. So yes. you see this in clients, they're just like, oh, but I've got positive vibes and just love and light. And I'm just but anyway, kind of I can't control that. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna, you know, right the
0: past in the past. We've all said these things. We want to believe them. you know. <laughs> ding,
1: ding, ding. Yeah. Yes. Especially me. I'm huge on the Enneagram and being a type seven, the enthusiast, the okay. cheerleader, basically on the Enneagram. We are prone to not wanting to sit in the shit with, with ourselves. <laughs> so if I could be like, that sucks. But moving on. Yeah.
0: Exactly. Like, well, yeah, and I know it's that and that's my issue. So, you know, I've worked on that and (laughs) I've done my work. It's like, well, okay, but it's still coming up, you know, and I'm not even talking for anybody who thinks that I might be like, judging my clients. No, I'm judging myself as I say this, like, all Mm -hmm. these things that, you know, I know I do, we all do. It's a human thing. And that's why I'm bringing it up. Or that's why we're talking about it now is because, you know, it's confusing. It's like, well, shouldn't I try to be positive and I don't want to dwell in negativity and, you know, victim mentality, which is something that, you know, again, since I work with a lot of people who've experienced some kind of childhood abuse, there's a lot of resistance to this idea of, well, I don't want to be a victim and I don't want to blame my parents. And, you know, it's like, right, we don't want to blame your parents. It's not right. about that. It's about how do you feel now and right. where did that come from?
1: Right. Explanations are not excuses, but we still need the detailed roadmap, people. <laughs> like, uh, right. And oftentimes, the dots. Mm-hmm. yeah, and
0: oftentimes when someone's saying, I don't want to blame my parents, the implicit part is because I blame myself, not my parents. And so they really are mm-hmm. sort of re-victimizing themselves while they're saying, well, I don't want to be in a victim role.
1: Exactly, which brings me to the next one, which is the, like a phobia of anger. I can't tell you how many good girls and people pleasers I have seen in my office, even to the point of, I'm gonna step in the hot water here, but I firmly believe, anecdotally at least, and we need more research on this, that it leads to symptoms of dysperonia and vaginismus. Every single one of my clients that has had one or both of those has come from a patriarchal, rigid religious system where she was not allowed to be angry or expressive in her emotions. Girl, it's a spiritual can, bypass. You please,
0: can you please expand on that? Because um, I'm not I'm not familiar with the term dysperonia, but when you said vaginismus, I know what you're talking about, but yeah. I think a lot of people who are listening are like, wait, the what? Right, right, what? So yes. can you please talk about that?
1: Dyspareunia. Since we talked
0: about yoni eggs already, <laughs> yeah. we're going there.
1: Which is a great way to work on vaginismus, by the way. Um, yeah. <laughs> Dysperunia, painful intercourse, vaginismus would be to the point where they can't be penetrated. So it's just continu- a continuum of the same thing. Okay. And so I'm proposing that for the vast majority of women who struggle with that, there is a disconnect between mind, body, and spirit. And there's this overlapping correlation to having grown up in a very rigid worldview where she has been groomed, operantly conditioned to be the people pleaser, the good girl, without being in touch with her own ability to express emotions. And that then ends up becoming um, displayed in her muscle tension in her genitalia.
0: Wow. And, you know, I mean, while you're saying that too, I'm just thinking how this is something that I've thought, so much Mm -hmm. is that like, oh, I can't even, it's like, this reminds me of Gabor Monte's work in the body says no, but I didn't see him touching on this subject, but um, yeah, same stuff. It's like not being able to say no is boundaries, you know, not having a voice Mm -hmm. and, you know, being a good girl, people pleaser. I mean, that's what women are socialized to be in our culture.
1: Exactly. So like Bessel van der Kolk would say, the issues are in the tissues, right?
0: Exactly. And so it's mm-hmm. not like someone knows that their vaginal muscles are tensing up or they're doing mm-hmm. it on purpose. It's it's more like, you know, related to that rigid childhood upbringing. Mm-hmm. And also, and then I'm thinking about people who've been sexually assaulted.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: It's just like there's such a, all of those things, you know, people who've experienced sexual assault, sexual abuse oftentimes find as a result of that, it's hard to say no, or, you know, they feel like they don't want to make people mad and, you know, that people pleasing kind of sometimes is a result.
1: And so spiritual bypassing and spiritual abuse, both of those tend to make that exact same situation that you're describing so much worse because we're adding in more conditioning to move away from the trauma, move away from her anger, move away from her expression of no in any sense of where she feels it in her body. And we're telling her to focus on furthering her ability to be nice. <laughs> be exactly. compassionate. Don't be angry.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like that thing that's in the current news about the person who was an influence, influential in the Southern Baptist faith, who mm-hmm. had been telling people who came to him saying that they had been raped or sexually abused. And he was saying, you need to forgive them. Don't, don't be mad.
1: Right. So that's it's like a- twisting it. It's a twisting of the truth. There's a grain of truth. Forgiveness is incredibly healing, and we have spiritual practices for that, like the Hawaiian forgiveness practice of Ho'oponopono. It's awesome, but not by itself. Sometimes we have to go through the city. We don't always get the bypass road.
0: Right. So that's an example of spiritual bypass. This guy saying, yes, you have to forgive. So, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and I hear that from people all the time too. Yes. Well, this person did abuse me, but don't I have to forgive them? And it's like, well, wait, have you dealt with how you actually feel about it?
1: Uh Uh-huh. Have you dealt with whether or not you want to put a boundary there? Because weak or too porous boundaries is another sign of spiritual bypassing. People don't, they're not grounded. They're not able to be assertive. Think about somebody who's assertive. They literally have to plant their feet and know what they are firm and passionate about. Grounded. Yeah. Yeah. We don't get that when we're bypassing. We move towards this idea, which is all the abstract of forgiveness, and uh, these people don't even stop to define what that even would mean for them. And my favorite version of forgiveness is just this releasing of the need for retaliation. That's it. It's, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to engage in this any longer. I'm going to drop my side of the rope.
0: Right. And that, you know, that's really, that's really letting go of the the power the other person has. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, versus saying, I forgive you and what you, you know, I mean,
1: Mm -hmm. exactly.
0: I don't have a problem with forgiveness. I think it's a beautiful thing if it's heartfelt because you want to, not because you feel like you have to.
1: Yeah, it's like forcing our children to apologize to people or to allow them to hug us or touch us. Once again, we're getting rid of their consent, which is a problem.
0: Right. And basically telling them that their own truth is not real. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they're like, well, I'm mad at that person. It's like, you have uh-huh. to forgive them. Now you go apologize or whatever, you know? Right. Yes. Yeah, man, this is also <laughs> intertwined even more than I was realizing before we started talking about it.
1: It always is. Because that to me is that mind, body, spirit connection. You just cannot, mankind is more than one level of being. And so they, if we're addressing one, the others are going to be naturally followed. Even if you're ignoring it, the truth doesn't care if you believe in it or not. (laughs) It's still there. (laughs) You are so
0: cool. You are so cool.
1: I swear. Thank you. Yeah.
0: So do you have more things on your list of behaviors and symptoms of the spiritual bypass? I don't want to not allow you to share those. I keep taking us in a different direction.
1: I love it. That's my favorite kind of conversation. So there are a couple more, but we have touched upon them a little bit here and there, like lopsided development, where we really prize cognitive intelligence above perhaps emotional or moral intelligence. So when you think about spiritual bypassing, what a lot of people we'd love to like sit at the feet of masters. We want to take books and courses and go on experiences. And it's all very heady and theoretical, right? We're talking about the deeper subjects like the meaning of life and transcendence well that's awesome but what are you going to do with that and so we see this. i don't have time i have
0: to go to another training first
1: (laughs) exactly (laughs) did you read this book oh but have you heard of this new guru like okay that's great but have you implemented any of them yet and this stuff takes practice like real spirituality it should should, I hate to use that word, but the best spirituality is the one that makes you a better person. And so it should be just another tool of your personal development, something else that you do. And literally it's a way of being. So you can be washing the dishes with a spiritual perspective, you know, be thinking about being of service, et cetera. It should be as natural to you as breathing. It should not only be about sitting here, ponder, pondering theories. So lopsided development. Yeah. Mm. How about debilitating judgment about your own negativity, quote unquote, right? That internal critic. <laughs> Anyone else have one of those? <laughs> I was just judging myself for all the books I've started and haven't even finished. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nothing wrong with taking in other people's stuff. But yes, no, quit judging our own shadow. That's, that can be a, a bypass because, because think about it. Even you criticizing yourself is not allowing you to sit and do the work and to befriend that part of you. So I'm a big internal family systems girl for that reason. Transactional analysis, whatever you want to call it. Same shit though. (laughs) Like Taking a look at that narrative and going, okay, why are you here though? What are you trying to help me with? If we're not doing that, we might be guilty of bypassing.
0: That's so beautiful. That that point right there is Mm -hmm. everything. Mm. It's like we have to sit with whatever it is and not judge. And that is what we're constantly trying to escape from.
1: Yeah, I had that moment. I was thinking about what you opened this conversation with, and it just brought me back, to it of I was in a yin yoga class and yin is all about it's my favorite because I get to lay on the floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hardly even have to move at all. Right. It is perfect for us lazy people <laughs> when it comes to working out. How little movement can I do? And you know every time we get to like Shavasana where you're just laying at the end in your own contemplative thoughts. Girl, I cry <laughs> I cry mm-hmm. every time kind of like the college student, you're finally stopping to sit in a space with yourself. And so stuff naturally comes up. And if I just move to push it away because I'm embarrassed or criticizing myself, you know, real yoginis don't cry. That would be funny. That should be a song. (laughs) (laughs) I would miss out on the beauty of that moment. And it's also vital, what you and the other gentleman were talking about, that a good yoga instructor or anyone who works with the public (laughs) in a spiritual capacity understands that when emotion arises in a client... You know, we don't push them through it, and we don't just tell them to continue on in the same fashion.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Wow. That's you know, that's that's a beautiful segue to that that whole point about like when you're meditating. So when you're laying in shavasana, mm-hmm. there's like a there's a knowing that comes to you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to say, "Oh, I'm not supposed to hold on to that." Um, thoughts are supposed to just keep on going. You right. know, you right. say like, "What do I need to know?" And that. I think, I'm no guru, but I think that the knowings that come, they come, and you can either focus on them and go down a long path, or you can just take them in and know that they'll be there, and they'll come back, and, you know?
1: Yes, as as need be. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, so instead of trying to push away thoughts, just saying, like, there goes that, you know, and, like, what?
1: Or why are you here? Yeah. Yeah. I love interacting with mine. Or what am I pretending not to know about myself right now?
0: (laughs) I love Mm -hmm. that question. Hmm. Oh, it's so true because the knowing is there. It's always there.
1: Yes, your higher self always knows. That cognitive awareness, what most mystics call your soul or your spirit, it knows. And then it's just our personality that seems to wrestle with it, you know, our operant conditioning.
0: Yeah, our trying to control and understand everything.
1: Right, and so oftentimes the spiritual bypass comes along to try and quickly get around the operant conditioning and and just sit in the pure space of soul or spirit or what scientists would call your cognitive awareness, that metacognition, because it feels so good. But if you don't deal with the operant conditioning, then you, it's like giving a brain tumor patient an aspirin. Sure, that I might. Fix their headache in the moment, but it's going to come back and right. it's potentially lethal. Exactly. Yeah.
0: And that, you know, that again, this is a point you've mentioned a couple times, and I just want to emphasize mm-hmm. it that just because a feeling is uncomfortable doesn't mean that we're not supposed to have it. And I think that's another thing that, you know, we all struggle with is like, well, yeah, but I don't like this. I'm feeling all this sadness. And, you know, what do I do to make this go away? And it's like, maybe the sadness. Is information
1: uh, always, in my opinion, a are dealing with hormones? Something else, but that's where we come in.
0: Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's not that it maybe is. I know it is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just say it that way. <laughs> I love it. Intently. <laughs> well, the way that you said that too reminds me of uh, another point that doesn't often get up in these types of conversations and probably would need to be a whole nother podcast episode about people who do the reverse, but I still think it's a spiritual bypass where they only want to focus on the negative. I've met people who are addicted to trying to find more things to uncover in their quote unquote shadow. Mm. It can be just as alluring as focusing on the light.
0: That's interesting. And I can see what you mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They
1: it's like the emo option of the 90s. <laughs> <I just laughs> it's, so once again, we're back to, can we have a balanced locus of control where I can put stuff into perspective? I can see perhaps the bio, biological markers. I can see the systems. I can see oppression or trauma or poverty or any of the isms or obias in my life. But then I also can honor my path and my truth at the same time. I can have my spirituality and my psychology.
0: Yeah. So basically just saying that, you know, when it's out of balance, if you're ignoring any of the parts, Mm -hmm. it's not a complete, it's not whole. You're not honoring the whole self.
1: Yes. So check out this quote from Riso and Hudson who wrote the wisdom of the Enneagram. I just love this. This is my conceptualization in a nutshell. They say without spirituality, Psychology cannot really free us or lead us to the deepest truths about ourselves. But without psychology, spirituality can lead to grandiosity, delusion, and an attempt to escape from reality. Psychology without spirituality is arid and ultimately meaningless, while spirituality without grounding in psychological work leads to vanity and illusions.
0: Oh my gosh. Damn. Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. <laughs> Ding. Yeah. Tamara, thank you. Your quotes are like on fire. And I'm a quote lady. Fire. Thank you, love. Oh, you found some good ones. I mean, mm. I, think you, I think that's just where you are. You You could like pull those right up. Yeah. Well, thank you a million times for being on Therapy Chat today. I know that anybody, many people who are listening are probably like, oh my gosh, I got to. I got to get more of this lady. So where can people find you?
1: You can head on over to com. It's A-R-Y-A, therapy.com, and everything is there. So podcast, Facebook, all of that. You can come hang out with me on all the places. I'm a chatty Kathy, and would love to hit you up back. Hit you up back. That's funny. That should be a song.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love talking with you. And every time I talk with you, I want to talk more. I'm just amazed how much you know. and. I'm grateful that you share it all. So thank you again. Thank you. Try Therapy Notes, the number one rated electronic health record system available today. With live telephone support seven days a week, it's clear why Therapy Notes is rated 4.9 out of five stars on Trustpilot and has a five-star rating on Google. Therapy Notes makes billing, scheduling, note-taking, and telehealth incredibly easy. And now for all you prescribers out there, Therapy Notes is proudly introducing ePrescribe. Try it today with no strings attached and see why everyone is switching to Therapy Notes, now featuring ePrescribe. You can get two months free by using promo code chat at therapynotes.com. Trauma Therapist Network is a website to learn about trauma and how it shows up in our lives and to find a trauma therapist. Go to TraumaTherapistNetwork.com to find a trauma therapist near you today. Thank you for listening to Therapy Chat with your host, Laura Reagan, LCSWC. For more information, please visit TherapyChatPodcast.com.